Off the Ball. Find us on Twitter at Off the Ball. News Talk 106 to 108. All right, welcome back. Breach Stack is in studio. We shall talk to her in just a moment about her retirement from Gaelic football. But first, an apology from Dave McIntyre. <laughs> yeah, I'm not quite sure. Not an apology, Dave. Dave yeah, I was, well, I was hoping it would just come up in Richie's news round. You know, that's, no, no, you know. no. I think let's get, let's get straight to the point. I was pointing out how it's really good that the players who played well <laughs> in, the, in the pool stages of the <laughs> Heineken Champions Cup are being honoured. I was saying yeah. it's a really good idea to get, get the 15 in and I'm sure they'll reopen it later in the year and we'll get the uh, player of the year that's deserved. You, I think you said, I think you used the word farcical, Dave. Yeah, I think if anyone I'm, was to listen to the first I'm, hour of the I'm show. I'm outraged. I should, I, should have, uh, I should have been more outraged myself with your comments. So would you like to uh, apologise? Anyone who listened to the first hour of the show will, will be, be very much cognizant of the fact that everything you've just said there is a complete and utter lie. But, you know, you are sitting in the presenter's chair tonight. So, so I have the power. Is, it is your prerogative. Yeah, we did maybe try, uh, well, we didn't try, we did pour a bit of scorn on the fact that the player nominees for the European Player of the Year for 2019 and the EPCOR players are actually announced now, midway through January, when the pool stage is only be completed and the business stage of the competition still needs to be uh, played out. But um, if we'd read the small print, which we should have done, you know. Um, What's the small print, Dave? Well, it's actually going to be reduced to a smaller shortlist come okay. the end of the season, down to five. And that's after players who've uh, made the semi-finals and quarter-finals make an impact, potentially who weren't actually included in the list that uh, Richie read out at the top of the, uh, the, the show as well. So It was Richie's fault for putting it in, in the news round, really. We were caught unawares. If you, if you haven't really played very well in the pool stages so far or you haven't made a huge impact, you could still end up walking away with the gong at the end of the season if, if you shoot the lights out in the quarters and the semis of the finals. That's so happened before as far as I know as well. It, it has happened before. So um, just a little bit of a clarification there that uh, those who weren't included in the long list can still make it. Just in case they're listening in and thinking, this is an outrage. <laughs> I was saving my best performances for the knockout stages. All day, McIntyre. Yeah, so there you go. You do still have commentary of Leinster Ulster, right? I believe you do. Good. Yeah, I believe you do. Okay. Far be it from any, you know, anyone to accuse us of not uh, admitting to making a mistake. Oh, you made a mistake and you put your hands up. This, and this, and this is just brilliant. I walk in here once every it, it's one of four, your, four or five weeks. <laughs> it's one of your best qualities, Dave. It is one and of your best qualities. Everything gets pinned so on that, It's good to see... Up. Dave has learnings the, and work-ons from this. Uh, it's learning. good to see the off-the-ball culture has not shifted in my absence. <laughs> well, it's good to see that you haven't changed. That Richie just says something and you just go all in. <laughs> I'm not having that. Richie, what is happening? Uh, 25 minutes played at Stamford Bridge. Chelsea nil Tottenham nil in the second leg of the Carabao Cup semi-final Manchester City awaiting the winners and Spurs still holding a 1-0 advantage from the first leg meanwhile Monaco suspended Thierry Henry this evening earlier today the former Arsenal striker said he banished too many players to name to the reserves at the league on side they lost to League 2 side Mets 3-1 in the Coupe de France on Tuesday night and they're currently second from bottom in Ligue 1 having won just twice in the top flight since Henry was appointed in October when he signed a three-year deal a UL's defence of the Fitzgibbon Cup will end with this year's group phase. Gary Kirby's side suffered a second Group A defeat today, going down 119 to 17 points to NUI Galway. That's where this afternoon Limerick IT thrashed Garda College 424 to 12 points, while DCU are through to the quarterfinals following a 23 points to 12 win over Cork IT. A birdie at the fifth sees Rory McIlroy on one under par on his opening round of the Farmers Insurance Open at Torrey Pines. Seamus Power has eight to play this evening. He's currently four over par. Tiger Woods, for his part, he is one over and playing the south course. Richie, 
available right now on offtheball.com. Really good episode today. Peter Laurie was in talking about cheating in golf. Sure, people would prefer the actual live scores rather than you and your saying, shameless self-promotion. They, they want a little bit more golf. Offtheball.com is the place to go. All right, well, the actual scores are John Ram leading on seven under par. He's uh, 10 holes into his opening round and is a shot clear of the wonderfully named Bud Cawley, Nathan. All right, thanks a lot. Plug away that. there now, Good go team. on. Uh, Golf Weekly up on <laughs> offtheball.com right now. So we have a true legend of Gaelic Games in studio. Breach Stack is an 11-time All-Ireland winner with the Cork Senior Footballers. Played every minute of all 11 finals? Um, yeah, was lucky. I think maybe I just stayed out of Eamon's vision for a lot of it. But, uh, <laughs> you drifted over yeah, to the far side of the pitch whenever yeah, yeah. the, uh, the board was going up. Yeah. And you have announced your retirement from the inter-county game over the last couple of weeks. Yeah. 32? 32, yeah. It's no yeah. age really to be retiring. Jeez, um, I've, I've plenty of miles on the clock. <laughs> um, I suppose, look, I got my start with the Cork Seniors when I was... Um, I suppose 15 years of age, um, 16 years of age and won my first All-Ireland when I was 18 so um, just I suppose got lucky that I came in um, at, at a time when kind of we were on the rise and um, I've, I've plenty of it played and plenty of great memories, yeah. Yeah, you stepped away last year so you, you weren't involved with Cork yeah. last year but just now retirement. Yeah. Why didn't you play last year and why Why is this the moment you've decided actually there's no going back? Um, yeah, so um, last year I suppose, look, we were in the initial stages of setting up our own business. Um, myself, my husband and his two brothers, we set up our own um, sports supplements and health supplements business. Um, and it just, it took a ferocious amount of effort. All four of us were teaching as well, but, right. you know, no, no children's education was damaged, you know, in the setting up <laughs> of the business, I, I can assure you. Um, but yes, we were just fairly flat out um, teaching, all four of us teaching, coming home, turning into five, six hours, um, trying to play club. And um, I suppose, look, I, I, I felt, you know, that I couldn't give the commitment that um, Intercounty kind of deserves and required. And um, so I just stepped away for the league. And I suppose when, I, so I was hoping to come back then for championship. But um, as the year progressed, um, I suppose I was just under a bit more pressure work-wise. Mm. And um, so I decided to take the year, um, kind of, I suppose, with the intention maybe that I would be, hopefully be able to come back this year. But um um, no, I suppose, look, priorities have changed and kind of family and work have to take precedence and um, I've just, I've had a fantastic time, but um, it's, it's a new team now and it's time to move on. So you're one yeah. of the lucky ones in a way because you have the 11 All-Ireland medals in your back pocket yeah. and we were just talking with John Giles there about players moving into management and Paul Scholes talking about the gap and almost feeling a little bit depressed of, yeah. of having nothing to get to at the end of the week. You filled that gap by the sounds of it. You, um, you went straight into something that there yeah. was no spare time in the evening. You went straight into a business that was taken up every waking hour. Yeah, that's it. Um, yeah, so it was fairly, fairly fairly full on last year. So I suppose that I decided um, last year that I'd go for a career break this year um, from teaching. Um, so the other three lads are still working and um, I'm kind of doing the day to day. Um, but I suppose I love kind of um, kind of pushing myself and challenging myself. So I kind mm. of went back doing a bit of study as well, and um, that requires me kind of being up in Dublin once or twice a week. So um, you don't think in ten years that you'll look back and go, there might have been another three or four years at the very top level there. Yeah, yeah. Because if, if you had the time and the, the desire, do you think physically you can still compete at the, at the, at the top level, the level um, you have been competing at? Yeah. So I suppose in two thousand and seventeen. Um, was the first year. I you were the reigning footballer of the year. Uh, yeah, so I went back um, after after that. I went um, into the 2017 
Um, I suppose I came back maybe a little bit later. Um, I hadn't done as much pre-season as I normally would have done. And um, I found myself kind of struggling with injuries all through the 2007 year. So I tore my hamstring four times in the space of that year and just found it very difficult. And um, I suppose, look, I, I just felt it in my body like that. Maybe I wasn't, um, I wasn't able to kind of keep going. And then I felt outside of it, I wasn't able to look after myself as, as much then with, um, I suppose, doing, you know, as much gym, you know, extra gym mm. requirements as was needed with, um, with everything going on outside of that. So um, I suppose, yeah, like I suppose something kind of had to give and I was, I suppose, the very last one as well from the 2005 team. So all of my cohort group had moved on. So Breach Corker, you um, Yeah, yeah, Deirdre, Angela, like all of that group that I initially started with had moved on. What and was I it suppose, like as year on year, you saw yeah, them stepping away? Th that's and it, like, and it does get a bit harder. And, you know, like these are people, you know, that, you know, had, had your back, like no mm. matter what, and, and kind of had gone through a lot of kind of um, tough times with and had had fantastic moments with. And um, I suppose it just kind of got a bit harder every year without, you know, a couple of your, mm. of your best friends there and um yeah it just kind of i suppose yeah. i found it a bit harder to get out to training as well like because so, people um, always say of oh, the younger players coming through they, they keep you young they yeah. keep things fresh and but they also, do and they do like 100 yeah. your they mates do. aren't there anymore but, but that's it you don't like, have as yeah. much in common with the 19 20 year olds yeah coming that's through. it like yeah 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 so um i don't know i suppose look it it just kind of came to a head last year and um i felt this year then like you know i i was very content in the fact that i wasn't mm. going to be able to kind of go back and um so i rang Efi there a couple of weeks ago and um and told him and um yeah so it is it is a, a new chapter um like yours sure look he was he was obviously you know saying that you know it was um the doors open but um you know i think i've my i think i'm i'm very content in my decision now and um i i know like this new group of girls I know there's great things destined for them as well like you know so. when you meet up then that group said it yeah. started out together in 2005 like do you go this is this is ridiculous what we achieve I like, know this, it is unreal yeah. they've had an inter-county career where firstly you end with 11 All-Ireland medals but throughout your entire inter-county career you played what two seasons where you didn't w reach an All-Ireland final um, yeah, so there was, yeah, 2004 was our first year with, with Eamon and then in 2010 we got beaten in the quarterfinal stage um, by Tyrone mm. and um, and every other year. But like, you know, every year had its difficulty, like, you know, it, it seems like it was such a seamless, um, you know, decade of football, yeah. like, but, but there was Which plenty. Which are the ones that stand out then? So I suppose, look, obviously from a playing perspective, my first one, I'll never forget it, like yeah. running out into Croke Park, 18 years of age, none of us had been there before. Um, Cork had never reached an All-Ireland final before, let alone won an All-Ireland senior final. So um, that one will always be very dear to me. Um, and then, of course, the 2014 comeback one will just live so long in all our memories. Like I, 10 points we, down, what, 15 yeah, minutes left? 16 minutes left, yeah, 10 points down. It's just the stuff of dreams, like, you know, and, um, you know, hopefully they'll make an all film about it there one day and you know yeah so that was who's going to play you in the movie oh I don't know I don't know who could play me um, I'm going to aim for someone like Margot Robbie but uh, it. it's violently <laughs> out of out of out of my league but um, yeah then and I suppose look the last one 2016 will be very dear because that was the change over management from Eamon to Efi. I suppose a lot of people felt that maybe a lot of our stalwarts had stepped away that we didn't have it in the tank anymore Dublin were the upcoming team and I think to kind of prove to everyone that year you know that that we still had a bit of fight in us. Um, well, I wanted to ask one. you on that because it sounds like there you were kind of using a little bit of a siege mentality. Everyone's writing us off. No one really yeah. thinks we've, we're up to it anymore. And we talked about that great Kilkenny team under Cody from 03 to 2016. And 
we questioned how can they come back every summer with the same hunger. Yeah. <clears throat> you guys won 10 All-Irelands and 11. So there, yeah. there, were clearly, there was clearly a danger that some staleness or complacency yeah. could set into your panel. Yeah. You're hearing the same voice on the training pitch every year. I know. So, I mean, what was it that kept this team striving to win All-Ireland effort every year and you were never sated? Yeah. Um, I suppose, look, there was two kind of major things. Um, like the first one would have been in 2004 when Eamon came on. None of us knew anything about him. I suppose we were too young to kind of mm. appreciate what, you know, he had done for various clubs and, and what he had played himself like, you know, at Cork. Um, so we didn't know kind of what to make of him. And he was very kind of standoffish and... Um, but you knew he was highly intelligent and really calm and kind of always kind of thinking and um, had a fab- fabulous manner about him and kind of treated everyone the exact same, no matter if you were like me, an 18-year-old, or, you know, one of the older girls that was more experienced, he treated everyone the exact same. But in 2005, the summer of 2005, he organised us to go on a training holiday to Lanzarote. So, like, something which we probably, you know, was unheard of probably for us. Like, we had heard, like, the car curlers won. Any Yeah, so, like, the car curlers won in 2005 as well, like, and... Um, like you'd hear of them you know going on great trips and you know they were well used to kind of going away to Portugal and things like that but you know it was probably so far out of our out of what we had thought um, ladies football was because maybe up to that we hadn't had a massive level of professionalism um, but um, so he brought all that in so we all fundraised for ourselves everyone raised 500 600 euro and we all got going to Lanzarote and he trained us into the ground for five of those seven days and I remember one of those days um, he we were due to be training on an astroturf pitch and um, the pitch got pulled kind of close enough like towards when we were going to be training so we ended up training on the beach and it wasn't like a nice coarse Irish beach it was like really fine sand like absolutely torturous stuff and that was the day we were due to be doing our hard running and um, so we did for I'd say about 10 years straight we did um, a running drill called the tree track run which was like three different um, tracks of varying lengths but everyone had to come back in the 30 seconds and um, I remember we did so normally we would have done three of them and I remember that day everyone was so mad and possessed and Eamon was driving everyone on and um, I remember we did four of them that day like and sure we were coming home with like quads and calves the size of our fathers like you know it was just (laughs) it was unbelievable stuff it was deadly bonding and um, and I know like the second last night um, so he gave us two nights out and um, I remember like we were sitting in hotel in the hotel like and it was a big sing song like always at the start and that was when we first realised that Eamon could actually, he was a singer like you know and he was a good bit of crack because we couldn't make him out before that and um, he was great fun and loved the camaraderie and um, kind of the young and the older could all kind of mesh together and um, geez we great all crack so like the second last night myself and Angela Walsh organised to go get like t-shirts made up with like Langerati and the front of them as if the locals didn't hate us enough like you know and um and we went out and everyone kind of had a, a nickname on their back at, at, like over events that happened over the week and there was just a deadly sense of bonding like right. that happened and i think had that not so we won our very first all ireland that september in 2005 and i think that was the the what set the tone for the rest of it that horrendously hard training session mm-hmm. but then the bond that was forged on that and um and then i suppose look in 2010 when we did lose you know, we had to kind of hold our hands up like there was a there was complacency, I think, on our part, whether we like to admit it or not, like there was. And um, did he consider maybe the, the, the possibility that he had taken you guys as far as he could? Um, so like after we got beaten, so that was around August, I think. Um, Tyrone, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, against Tyrone. Yeah. And like we had gotten beaten 
we gotten beaten fairly well, like they were all over us. Um, we gotten two sin binnings like that day. I may have been one of them, but it. <laughs> can't well, quite the, recall. Yeah, I can't quite recall. <laughs> and um, we like two of the girls had done their cruciate knee ligament as well in right. the one game. So Geraldine O'Flynn and and Kira Sullivan, and you were kind of looking, going, gee, like is this the end of the road? Like, you know, after such a great spell. But um, Eamon organised a meet-up in Larry Tompkins' um, pub in December and we all kind of got together and he put it to us like, you know, is this, you know, are we are we content with our lot? Like, and everyone was nearly foaming at the mouth, like, ready to go again. And it'd be easy said, to be content. Five All-Irelands at that yeah, stage. Yeah, yeah. But no, I suppose there was a bit of kind of, we had to redeem ourselves. There was a feeling of redemption that needed to be done. And he, he seems to have been a guy, the way you're speaking about him, always knew the right words to find. Like yeah. We, we often, I often heard Roy Keane talking about Alex Ferguson that, he always seemed to be so in tune with what his players, yeah. where his players were mentally, yeah. <clears throat> that he wouldn't throw the same old stuff out yeah. time and time again. No. That Eamon seemed to know what buttons to press he did, and yeah. when to press. Oh, them. he was a consummate manager. Like he, you know, he, he. I think the big thing was that he gave us such ownership from a young age, and it was essentially that ownership that that got us over the line on so many All Ireland final days. Because, like, if you look back, like we got over the line you know, by the bare minimum, like by a point mm. in about four or five of those all Ar- uh, those All-Irelands. And you have to put that down by giving ownership back to the player. And what are you going to do like when the chips are really down? And he did that since I was 18 years of age and he carried that through for 11 years straight, like, you know, so. It's remarkable how, how one week can make such a difference f- for so long because yeah. People need to remember that Cork had never won an All-Ireland before 2005. Probably now people look back and think there were always this dominant force. It wasn't the case. When you were a teenager, when you were starting out playing Gaelic football, was was it a realistic ambition in your head that you could play in All-Ireland finals at Crow Park? Um, No, sure, of course it wasn't. You didn't have someone to kind of, you know, it was visual for you to see. um, Oh, she plays with Cork seniors. No, there wasn't. Like, you know, when I look up, you know, my role models were you know, people like Seamus Moynihan, like I used to absolutely adore watching Seamus Moynihan like playing and um, and then like I used to watch, all right, like the Camogie finals, all right, and you know, players like Fiona O'Driscoll, like they were, because they were visual, like, mm. you know, um, but from a Cork Ladies football point of view, there wasn't that. Um, so it wasn't ever something, you know, that was probably like in our minds that, was, that this was going to take off. But I made Cork under 14 team and um, there was a fantastic group there. So on that Carcund 14 team, there was myself, Rena, Breege, Geraldine, Narita, um, Angela Walsh. There was a whole host of us. And I suppose we we stayed together all the way up through. Now, granted, we had success under 14, under 16, under 18, and it's easier to stay with it when you have success. Mm. Um, but that cohort then basically created the, the majority of that senior team. But, you know, even like that, um, I think momentum is a is a massive thing, and if you have a success, what it does for a team is just you know it can't be defined like really. Corkness. And, oh, the corkness. That's it. <laughs> Let's yeah. not get into that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But it is like it's it's like infectious, like, and you want it back again, and um, you know everyone turned up in that first first weekend of January, like ready to go, like just couldn't wait for it again. And I suppose the big thing was is that we did train and play very, very hard, but we then celebrated very hard. And I think you do need that as well. And Eamon allowed us to do that for two or three months. Like I remember the very first All Ireland, we must have visited every village in in Cork, like you know, and um, and it was unbelievable again for bonding. And I suppose all those stories kind of kept you going throughout the year. Then like. Um, so yes, that was it. The other one you said stood out obviously was 2014, the one point win over Dublin. Yeah. What was said? What what happened that 
this miraculous turnaround occurs in the middle of in the middle of the second half, as you say, sixteen minutes left. So yeah. is it would you, appear that Eamon Ryan's halftime words had absolutely no effect that, whatsoever. So so, so whose wor- <laughs> whose words were? What what yeah, happened? So to like with sixteen minutes left or ten points down, I would imagine most sports people think this is done and dusted. Yeah, yeah. Where's the nearest bus? Um, were you thinking that? But um, I suppose we weren't really because we had been in dire situations before. Obviously, nothing ever remotely close to that. But um, everything that could have gone wrong that morning went wrong. Um, like, guard escort didn't turn up. We got kind of barricaded into the hotel. We ended up being late into Croke Park, something which we never were. You were playing the dubs. Uh, we were playing the dubs. Um, yeah, yeah, they locked no us out. <laughs> yeah. And... Um, I remember we were doing the kind of the indoor warm up drill and like we must have dropped about like five or six balls and then we went out into the outdoor warm up drill and I'd say we dropped, you know, twice that. Like everyone was just so on edge and jittery and it was just not like us at all. And then and was that the just because half, of what had happened that morning or was there that sense? No, I suppose all there was that maybe that sense like that look Dublin were the up and coming team and they were just I suppose we never we never ever thought past any game like and I know players and teams say that all the time but we never ever thought past a, a team and I suppose that was down to aim and kind of you know embedding that like kind of humility in us like to just you know never underestimate your opponent and I suppose from the 2010 we learned never underestimate because what could happen on any given day and um when we land or when we came out in the first half, we were just blown away by Dublin. They were just hungrier. They were more clinical. Um, like everything that could have gone wrong for us went wrong. We no rub of the green. Um, and then we came in at half time, and we were just shaking our heads. We didn't know what to do. You know, um, I suppose like that. We'd never been that far back. Never been that far down. And Eamon came in and just like he did, you know, and all those years previous just kind of said look lads I'll give you a couple of minutes there to chat amongst yourselves and I'm going to I'll, I'll be back in in a couple of minutes and I suppose in that couple of minutes um, there was a like we've always been very lucky to have a, a good couple of leaders in our team and you know Breed spoke and and Angela spoke and um, I suppose Angela spoke about the camogie like you know two weeks before like that you know that they had been in a similar situation and you just have to we have to grind ourselves out and we just needed to get the basics right and, and Eamon came in and he was just like right lads have we it sussed you know as if it was like you know <laughs> have you it all sussed out and um, he basically just said to us look um, Dublin can't score if they don't have the ball so hold on to the ball like just do the basics right and we went out and I think Dublin scored another goal straight off the back we were like okay that plan didn't strike <laughs> that didn't work out too great but um, I suppose slowly we chipped away and Eamon made the right calls on the line um, to like massively um, impactful subs in Emer Scally and Rona Buckley and the second I think Rona sank the goal I think everyone else like all kind of the backsides and everyone else kind of lit up and they said right okay look you know, if nothing else now, we're going to absolutely perform and just go, kind of don't give up till it's over. And Emer um, Scally knit another goal and the girls just kept chipping away in the points. And Geraldine Flynn, like it, the ball fell to Geraldine, like, you know, in that last couple of seconds. And Geraldine um, would be the most, you know, um, like she would have practiced her her free taking she would have practiced everything like she would have killed herself practicing and on that day she must have kicked about three or four wides which was so unlike her 
but she just backed herself on that last kick and um, thankfully when it went over she's uh, lads uh, it was just <laughs> the most unbelievable feeling you didn't know whether to laugh or cry or like and everyone was just exhausted and I remember even that evening like you know we were still just sitting down in complete disbelief there was no kind of like jumping around the place like we normally would have been everyone was just like how in the name of God do we pull that off like, did you, you know? feel Dublin were starting to buckle at one stage. I mean, we look at this Dublin team now, they're ruthless. Yeah, they're, the way yeah. they won that final yeah. last year, yeah. they look like a team now that if they get their heads in the right place, yeah. you want to win yeah, three yeah. or four in a row. Yeah. Whereas they were trying to achieve something they hadn't done yeah. for so long. Yeah. They had their fair share of final heartbreak as well yeah. in the previous few seasons. And I'm just wondering when that lead, when you got that first couple of scores, was there a sense amongst the really experienced heads in your team, do you know what, this isn't done. These yeah. that we can actually take these they are starting to look a little bit rattled because they were desperately trying to cling to that finishing yeah. line of course they were like yeah and I suppose with 10 minutes out you think it's game set match like you know and then this crowd of absolute lunatics come up from the country like and just you know don't give up like and I suppose it was a real sense like in some of the older girls like I do remember Angela and Deirdre Riley just like so Angela was um, she was either full back or, or corner back and Deirdre was centre and I just remember like the two blonde heads absolutely bombing up the field like it was just a case of press 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 keep putting them under pressure and I suppose look they you know a couple of their kickouts got turned over and it was just constant pressure and um, I suppose look we, we saw maybe that you know if we just kept applying that pressure and keep the ball up in that quarter you know that it was um, you know might work out for us and look thankfully it did mm -hmm. like yeah. So. Eamon Ryan's someone we probably don't hear enough from. Maybe he's perfectly happy that way, I'd imagine, yeah. just sitting in the background yeah. because like, to have led a team to that many All-Ireland titles, like, people look for, right now in Cork football, I know. they're looking for the secret for the men's team. They're laying out this five-year plan. I know he's, yeah. he's still around, he's still involved, yeah. but like, it's right there in your doorstep, yeah. you'd imagine. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I suppose, look, every one of us bought into it. Um, I suppose we never had any experience, though, of anything other than it so you know maybe he was getting complete blank canvases and it mm. was um very easy to do but i suppose look he's um he's a, a headmaster by by profession and you could just see in the way he he managed his his students basically like you know that he he just got the best out of everyone and i think he instilled a massive belief in in us and i suppose coming from never having won in all ireland um, you know, even never having won a monster, like we got beaten by Kerry and Waterford religiously every year, and like not just like by the minimum, like getting beaten well, like you know the great Waterford and Kerry teams, like, and um, he just instilled a belief in us, and um, he just kept, he just was, ex you know, extremely calm and extremely kind of like you say, like was able just to pick out the correct words mm. to say, and he just knew what would make us tick, and did he, he ever lose he the head? Did that. Um, no, like he actually, he actually didn't like, um, he, he would always just expect, expect you like, you know, you might hear, ah, breed, come on. Like as in, you, you know, you're, you know, you've more in you than that. Like, but he never, he never targeted people like, and even I suppose, um, at halftime talks and, and you know, after, after match talks, he never singled out a single person. And, um, and I suppose, you know, people appreciated that, like that even if you had a poor game, you were never singled out. If you had a fantastic game, you were never singled out. Um, it was really a team, a team ethos that he instilled, yeah. Wait, can you, sorry, Nathan, can you talk about the 07 final? Because it's a really odd one in that, I mean, you were asked to mark Cora Staunton. Oh, yeah. And you didn't know at the time, but 
Eamon didn't want you to yeah. be in Cork. He didn't think you were the best ma no. player market that uh, yeah. Cork had defensively. Yeah, yeah. Um, you only found that out a couple of years later. I now, did, yeah. You ended up walking away with the Player of the Match Award. Yeah. So talk to us about your feelings that night on the eve of the game when you know that what, however you play is going to have a huge influence yeah. on your team's chances of winning the All-Ireland. And then subsequent to that, when you found out that actually he didn't think you were the person for yeah. the job in the first place. <laughs> so um, <laughs> Mary Collins, um, she would be from my local village, Rockchapel. She would have trained me when we were underage, but she ended up being the Cork manager um, for a couple of years. But that was one of her years that she was. And... Um, so the night of the, so basically the team would be announced and, um, but there was still kind of a little bit kind of up in the air about who would be on Cora. And um, I suppose, look, they had a little bit of a chat and Eamon felt that Rena was definitely more of a man marker and Mary felt that I had been playing well centre back and just to not kind of mix things up too much. And I suppose, look, we knew that Cora, you know, it did, I suppose, the forward game really did centre around her. So um, while, you know, if it was me Mark here, if it was Rena Mark here, basically whenever Cora would get the ball, there would nearly be six of us on her anyway. And um, I suppose, look, it was always, we, we had a very strong unit in the backs always. And um, when Eamon came to me that night, like, I just remember kind of like, you know, the hair's kind of standing up my, on the back of my neck a small little bit, like, because he never, he never came to anyone's room kind of like really. And um, he basically just kind of said, look, you're Mark and Cora and you're going to do a great job um, probably through gritted teeth because uh, you know he didn't <laughs> he'd uh, lost the vote he'd lost the vote like yeah so um, it seems strange that when we're talking about the eve of an All-Ireland final yeah. going up against this unbelievable talent of course yeah. Thornton and Mayo don't win that All-Ireland final unless she plays yeah. unbelievably well yeah. that you haven't actually spent a month in advance just thinking about how you stop Cora that, that the decision has left that late yeah but I suppose look um you know, we never had tactics for 10 years. Like, I suppose we Now had, you are sounding like Kilkenny. No, we really didn't. <laughs> it was 15 on 15. And um, I think it was only towards the latter the latter years that we had to kind of implement a few a few little things like, but and a few kind of man-marking scenarios. But other than that, it was 15 on 15. So, you know, there was deadly trust there. And I suppose, like, like I say, like the backs were such... Um, you know, a cohesive unit, that back team didn't really change much over the space of seven or eight years. So even though I was um, tasked with marking Cora, I knew that Angela was behind me. I knew Deirdre Riley was there. I knew Geraldine was there. I knew Rena was there. And I suppose whenever she did get the ball, mm. thankfully, you know, if I messed up, I knew she had to go through Angela. She had to go through Deirdre. So there was always time to get back, get back, get back. And um, look, it just, it, it worked out on the day. And then I found out two years later and... Um, we're great friends, though, since. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask how you mark Cora Staunton on an individual basis, like when you're face down in that All-Ireland final. Yeah. But by the sounds of it, it's it's a group effort. Um, sure, look, it is, yeah. And um, I suppose, look, she's kind of, she she had the full package. Like, you know, she she was extremely accurate. You you think you've ever pushed out far enough and then she kicks an absolute boomer from the 45 and you look like a fool, like, you know. But, um, you know, she had a desperate burst of speed. She was physically strong, physically imposing, was well able to field. Um, so she was kind of, you know, the full package. So I suppose your, your big thing was just to try to get out in front of her. And um, I suppose, look, maybe I had a small bit of speed as well that kind of helped but um, you know definitely it was a, a team effort like and as yeah, I said stop the her getting the ball as opposed to trying yeah, to stop her once she has yeah, it yeah yeah <laughs> try to stop it before it gets there like yeah you must take enormous pride that group of who started out in 05 of the legacy you leave behind not just the 
the, I guess, what's expected now of ladies footballers in Cork, that they can go on and win in All-Ireland, and there's an expectancy that they should be contending for All-Irelands, but that very much you leave Cork ladies footballers as first-class citizens, that you're very much the equal or greater than the men's team, that there's yeah. there's a different attitude in Cork football and Cork Camogie and probably Cork Gaelic Games yeah. towards their women's teams than there is in most counties. I know. I suppose, look, we came on, um, 2005 was our first All-Ireland, and I remember... 2005, the Camogie won, we won, and the Hurlers won that year, like, you know, so um, it was brilliant, like, obviously the Hurlers were, you know, were seen on, on a different kind of pedestal to us, like, you know, but I think over the years, you know, we have probably um, given, you know, Cork people a lot of enjoyment over the years, and um, I suppose, look, with the games going so close in the last couple of years, there's definitely been a lot of excitement mm. with it, and um um, yeah, I suppose, look, maybe there is that expectancy now on kind of Cork teams going forward, but isn't that a brilliant thing, like, you know, that that we've kind of set the bar high and um, I suppose, look, that, that there's a belief there that, look, if you are if you train hard enough and you work hard enough and you back each other up, you know, that you might be in contention with getting to an All-Ireland final and, um, you know, the, the systems are good in place and um, it's just a matter of trying to keep keep that, um, that ethos going. Have you got the medals all framed now? Um, no, I'll tell you, a couple of years ago, uh, two, two or three years ago at home, we got broken into and um, we didn't know where all the all our medals were. So we found them like in the back in this, like, um, you know, where you keep all your light bulbs. Like, you know, everyone has one of those, <laughs> a box with spare light bulbs and we found them in there. So, um, yeah, so we've them kind of put in order now, but at least now right. we kind of, um, we know where they are like, yeah. So Do the medals mean much to you? Um, or is it more the memories that you get garnered while you were winning those medals? I suppose, look, they're, they're lovely to have, but... Um, like for for many years, I didn't know kind of where they were, yeah. um, so it was more. But I guess you're still playing then. Weren't yeah, you? I suppose. Look, you weren't now. kind of um, you weren't um, thinking about where they were, like. But um, yeah, Jesus, the memories and the the fun and the enjoyment and jeez, it'll just it'll be very hard to match it. But um, as I said, look, life goes on and different priorities take take precedence. And um, but fantastic memories last me a lifetime. Like yeah. And you're on to a new part of your life. Give the yeah. business a plug. <laughs> so, um, 30 second sales yeah, spot coming okay, up. Okay, coming to you live. Um, no, so we set up our own business. Um, it's a sports supplements and health supplements business um, called My Core Supplements. And I suppose, look, we look after everyone from, I suppose, all different age categories to, you know, your gym goers to personal trainers, uh, clubs, intercounty teams. We're very fortunate. We're after getting a good couple of kind of big deals now with um, Cork City, Cork GA, Tipperary Hurlers. Um, leash footballers you know so I suppose just trying to trying to get it out there a bit more but um so look it's only kind of uh two or three years now in the running and um a lot of hard work but very enjoyable work something different definitely like yeah really all enjoying right. it brilliant very best of luck with it all over Perfect. the next few thank years you. thanks a lot for coming to the studio Breach Stack 11 time All-Ireland winner we're always telling Tommy Walsh 10 is nothing 10 is nothing <laughs> come back to us when you've won more Breach great stuff we're going to take a quick break Chelsea 2-0 up against Spurs in the Carabao Cup semi-final 2-1 up on aggregate plenty more on that to come on the football show Off the Ball Find us on Twitter at Off the Ball News Talk 106 to 108